We've had a great couple weeks together learning about spiritual battlegrounds and talking through what it means to be a Christian that lives their lives on the front lines. And in today's message, I want to wrap all those things up in recognition of what, it, what does that mean on a day-to-day -day walk with Christ. Because as Christians, we are going to find ourselves in the battleground, whether we put ourselves there or not. The battleground is going to come to our doorsteps. It's going to come to our house. It's going to come to our minds. It's going to come to our hearts. And so we really need to be prepared for these things. As Pastor Tim has been teaching us, as we've been reading through the Word, we recognize that um, the, the, the reality is, is that we're not in a battle per se for planet Earth, but we're in a battle, if you will, with rulers and authorities and principalities that are in a whole other level than what we're seeing on a day-to-day -day basis as we look around our lives. And part of that requires us to have spiritual eyes and to have ears that are going to hear what the Lord is going to say. So tonight as we read through the Word of God and as we talk about the armor of God, I want to recognize that we're using tonight's scriptures to back up what we've already been taught in the past three weeks. So if you haven't been able to be here, you haven't heard those messages, I encourage you, go online, take a listen to them. It's about spiritual battlegrounds. It's about understanding where we're at spiritually. So tonight as we look through this, if you want to make some notes now, we're going to be looking through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And for many of you, this may be a Sunday school story brought back to life, you know, a few years later. I think that, uh, you know, we're probably all in this room a little older than we were when we originally heard about the armor of God. Uh, maybe uh, in your Sunday school class like mine, um, there was this little plastic, uh, you know, armor that somebody got to put on when this was taught during Sunday school class. And uh, I don't have that armor with me tonight, so sorry, we're not going to model that for you. But uh, I'm sure you'll get the gist of it as we go through the armor of God. Before we get to the armor of God, I want to recognize that in order to put on the armor of God and to recognize what the armor is, we must prepare the heart and the mind of ourselves. We must have a recognition of what it really means to put on this spiritual armor. God did not just put this into the Bible for us to have a representation or a, or a, a, a visible picture of what this stuff is, but it's really a recognition of living out a daily walk with Christ and recognizing how these principles help us to defend and offend in the kingdom of God. And so this requires us to have a prepared heart and mind. One of the things we need to remember is this scripture. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Let me, let me stop here real briefly because some people have a confusion with this scripture. Um, some people will say, well, this, this scripture points to the fact that, you know, God chooses who would be saved and who wouldn't be saved and the fact that he predestined us. I want to point out that this word predestined here, where it shows predestined, it says, um, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself. So that, that there 
lies the predestination. He is predestined that everyone have the opportunity to be adopted by him. Isn't that an amazing thing tonight? You know, when, if, you, if you've ever adopted a pet, you can go to the pet store or you go to the Humane Society and you walk in to that Humane Society and, and not all those animals will have the chance to be adopted. They don't all get the opportunity to be adopted. But we, as being created beings, human beings, as, the, as we have the breath of life of God living within us, when he breathed that breath of life into us, he said, I'm predestining you to have the opportunity to grow in relationship with me. Now, it becomes our responsibility to do that through Jesus Christ. So each one of us in this room, if we've had that opportunity, maybe we did it in a car, maybe we, maybe we sat down at an altar, there was an opportunity in our lives where we came to the end of our rope and said, God, this is too much for me, we can't, I can't handle this, I recognize that I'm a sinner, I'm in need of a Savior, and through Jesus Christ, I have now been adopted or brought into right relationship with God. And so because of that adoption, because I've been brought into right relationship with him, now I become a son or a daughter of the Lord. And this is important because as we've been talking and discussing, God wants us to participate in what, what we're calling spiritual battlegrounds or the spiritual warfare that we have on planet Earth or that we live out as human beings. And in order for us to participate with him, we have to be of him. We have to be the sons and daughters of God. Listen, my daughter loves to do things that are beyond her age bracket, okay? And at some point in time, she tries things that are beyond her age bracket. So, for, for instance, she rides it. Now she's riding a bike on her own. She's got a little two-wheeler bike. She rides it all around. And, and, and she likes to ride down the sidewalk and then up the neighbor's sidewalk. The problem is, is that she's not mindful of everything else going on around her. So there's cars coming, there's people walking, there's dogs running around. Now there's black squirrels everywhere. Uh, I don't know what that's all about. But in any case, she doesn't see all those other things. So there are times where she'll be riding her bike and she'll fall or she'll, you know, something will happen. She'll have to slam on her brakes because daddy says, hey, stop, there's a car coming. And in order for her to participate and not be hurt in, that, in those situations, she needs dad to be looking out for her. She needs to know that dad's on her side. So we have the, the authority and the exciting position of being a son or daughter of God that we're in these positions of spiritual warfare, but we don't have to be afraid. We don't live in a spirit of fear because God, Father God, is, is watching us. And we have been adopted into this right relationship. The other part of this is, that is exciting is that we need to remember, remember that Gentiles, which is who we are, uh, I don't think anyone in here is, full, is, a, is a full Jewish person. If you are, I apologize. But, but being a Gentile, we are engrafted into, if you will, the portions of Scripture that God promises to the Jewish people, to the children of Israel. So in the Old Testament, we read the Proverbs, and we read the Psalms, and we read through all of the, all of the, the, the provision of the Lord. And up until the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, those things were for the Jewish people alone. But because we've been engrafted into this relationship with Father God, 
we now have the authority and the right to proclaim all of those promises in this. This is what the rest of this verse says. It says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So when we read the Bible, when we read the gospel, and it says something along the lines of, I, I, I promise to bless you and not curse you, and, and those things, we can proclaim those things even though Father God is speaking those to the Jewish people because we have now been engrafted in. We are one body with, uh, with his chosen people. Now, when we're talking about getting into a spiritual warfare or being in spiritual warfare, we, we have found out, we've concluded that through the past couple weeks, we're not fighting individuals, right? We know we're not, we're, we're not dealing with the guy next to us or the woman next to us. Um, that's not what we're fighting against. What we're fighting against is a hierarchy of spiritual entities that are run in a very diabolical way through one organization, which is through Satan. And this is, it's, it, I'm not trying to be super spiritual, but I'm trying to put it in perspective so that you can have an understanding that it's, it's, it's not super crazy stuff. We're just speaking truthful what the Bible has to say. And so when we look at this, organ, we, if we look at this in an organization standpoint, that's the way my brain works. I like to put things in boxes and in lines and in letters and cross off little things. When you look at it as an organization, you can say, okay, I'm not fighting Sister Susie or Brother Bob. What I'm fighting is a spiritual, uh, you know, spiritual entity out there that's causing these things to happen on planet Earth. And it might be affecting these people that are around me, but the people that are around me have been what? They've been birthed through the fact that Jesus has, uh, has birthed them. Everything that is on planet Earth has been created by who? By Jesus. There is not one thing that has been created that is without his, without his personality in it. It's not without his creative power in it. And so we need to remember that because we come across people in our lives every day that rub us the wrong way, that say the wrong things to us, that drive us crazy. And sometimes we think that person is from the devil. And we need to remember, this is important, church, we need to remember that those people, people, human the mankind is made in the image of God. And it's, it's important, especially in, in, I mean, we have a, a situation coming up where there are, you know, people literally uh, fighting in the streets because there are, are two people that we're going to vote for to be the president of this specific country for this specific time. And we, we all as a church, number one, need to remember that we're not fighting against our fellow you know, person that's been born and, and is living and they're, they're male or female. We don't need to fight against them. What we need to do is fight against the spiritual powers that are in authority in heavenly places. And we've talked through those things, and we're going to talk a little bit more about them tonight. So when Jesus was in the wilderness, if you remember correctly, Jesus went to the wilderness after he was baptized by John. He went to the wilderness, and, and, and the, the idea there was that he was going to get away from everybody and everything that was going to uh, disrupt where he was going to you know, think through and, and, and really consider what the next few years of his life were going to mean. So he sets himself away, puts himself away, and, and he goes to the wilderness. And while he's in the wilderness, while he's on his own, when he's 
separated himself from all of the outside atmosphere, the, the talking, the, the, the working, the, the life. The enemy, the devil, comes to tempt him. Now, I don't know about you, but the Bible says that we're supposed to go in our prayer closet, that we're supposed to go in a quiet place and rest a while, that there's supposed to be a time where we go away or, or separate ourselves from everything that's going on. It's interesting to me that in, we find that this is the time in Christ's life that, that the devil chooses to come on the scene and, and speak to him directly. This is what the Bible records as the first opportunities that the enemy has to whisper in the ear of Jesus, who is, is, is blameless. He hasn't, he hasn't sinned. He's a blameless, sinless man, and he's living this life for 30 years, and now all of a sudden the devil comes to him and the devil's going to start to tempt him. This is the first time the Bible records this, and this is after he's gone into a quiet place. And let me note also it's after a pretty uh, intense spiritual experience that he's had as a human being. He's, he, he's literally experienced the love of the Father through the Spirit come and, and infill him. Now, many of you have had that same experience, whether it's been a one-time experience where you've felt like you've been, you know, immersed in the Spirit of God, or whether it's been an ongoing experience where on a day-to-day -day basis, maybe you're in your car, you got the praise music on, all of a sudden you just start crying and you're praying and, you know, slobbers everywhere. You've done it before. I don't know. Maybe you haven't been there. I've been there. But, but, but he's had this experience and then all of a sudden he's in a quiet place and now the devil comes to tempt him. I'm sure that for some of us, we've been in that same position as well. I, I think it's, this is really important because this sets the scene for how we are supposed to prepare ourselves to fight in a spiritual warfare. Because what does Jesus do? Did Jesus pull out the boxing gloves? Did he pull out, you know, the, the, the holy hand grenades? Jesus said this. Jesus said to him, again, it is written... You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, for it is written, for it is written. Jesus went back to Scripture Jesus went back to Scripture. When he was in a spiritual war, when he was in a, a spiritual trauma, when there was a, a situation that was happening, he went to Scripture. And he defended himself by Scripture. Did Jesus, did Jesus you know, pull out all the angels? Oh, the Bible says that while he was hanging on the cross, legions of angels he could have called on. Did the Creator... Did everything that was created through Jesus that he had the opportunity to call on, did he call on them here? No. He went to Scripture. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So if there's a point one to my message tonight, it's this, is that when you're in a spiritual battle, when you're in spiritual warfare, the first point is, is that you need to recognize that Scripture is step one. Because if we're going to live a lifestyle of following after Jesus, then we need to do what Jesus did. And so doing what Jesus did, he just goes to Scripture 
It's real simple. You know, I used to, when I taught Sunday school for our junior hires, um, I, I asked questions every week. That was part of, like, the, the, the end of the kind of the, the, the time that we spent together, where we would, we would have a Bible study, and then we would do some prayer, and then afterwards we would talk or have a Q&A about what the Bible study was. So I'd ask questions. And I had two people, two, two students who are adults now, married, and it's, it's wild how quick time flies. But, uh, but I, I'd have two students, and their answers were always Jesus or the Bible. That, that was just what their answers were always, because they just felt like that would cover most every answer needed. And I have to admit, in a lot of times, it was the truth. Those answers did cover a lot of the questions that we asked. And the reality is in our lives that we, when we run into difficult situations and trials and torments and, 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 and demonic situations in our lives, how many of us are quick to say, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world, it's, you, I just can't live like this? Or are we saying, what does the scripture have to say about this? And I understand it's not an easy task when you're in a traumatic situation to say, you know, what does the Bible have to say? But if we can train ourselves, now this is important because we are who we decide to be, meaning that we have the choice to go to Scripture or we have the choice to get all ramped up and excited about everything. We're not robots. God didn't create us like robots. We have emotions. God has emotions. If you ever want to know about God's emotions, you better read some Old Testament. <laughs> He'll <laughs> talk about the right arm that saves and the left hand that kind of kicks you off to the side. There are emotions within us. And those emotions are good and they're for a reason, but our, the, we have the ability to train our emotions to recognize where we need to be in certain situations and where we need to turn in certain situations. So when we are talking about being in a spiritual warfare, when we're talking about defending ourselves against the enemy, our number one spot to go to is Scripture. That's our number one spot. Now, as a church, how do we expand this? Because individually, it's important that we, that we go to the Word. But as a church, we need to go to the Word together. Church is a team sport. Being a, you cannot be a Christian and, 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 and separate yourself from the church. I love the fact that people want to do uh, their own thing, their own home church, or their own separated model of what it means to gather. That's great. Do it. And I'm not saying you've got to gather in a group of whatever size we are or in a building even. But the reality is, is that God has created us to be in relationship with each other just as in relationship with him. And so there, there is a reality of us growing together, being matured together. Um, the Bible talks about it many times that, that, that when, when two or three are gathered or when, when, when there is a group together, it's better than being separated or apart. And so, you know, in today's situations that we're living in, we've become more and more aware of that. Those who have not had relationship with other people and have kind of separated themselves, whether Christian or non-Christian, have recognized in the past eight months that it's impossible to live like that. Because you will go, I mean, there's an emotional side to that. There's a psychological side to that. There's a, there's a literal, like, 
living, just, you know, getting by day to day, food, all, all of those things. There are reasons that we come together, that we are standing together. And m even more that we are Christians, that we are the body of Christ. So church itself is a team sport because this is what the Bible says. We stand together so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly places. Now, this is an important scripture because, and this is in Ephesians 3.10 if you want to make a note. This is an important scripture because this recognizes the fact that on our own, we're saved, sanctified, delivered. We're set apart for God's purpose and glory, which is good and, and righteous and holy, and that is a good place to be in. But together, our responsibility is bigger than that, okay? So on, our, on my own, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Word of God. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I have the opportunity to share that with people I come into contact with, and it's a relational format that I'm in with other folks that I run into, okay? When I am with the body of Christ, I now join a larger group of people, and I have the opportunity now, by standing together, the manifold wisdom of God, that means the expanded or expounded on wisdom of God is shared because each one of us have a gift or have a purpose. And so that becomes more and more and it grows and grows and grows until even those that are in spiritual authority, rulers, if you will, demonic entities, recognize that they cannot stand against the power of the church. Now, this is an important facet for the times that we're living in because as, as there has been a, a time where church has been tried to be separated, if you will, people have said you can't gather, you can't be in a building, you can't, you know, sing songs, all of these things, um, and thank the Lord we're, we're meeting together, but there are other states that have said we're closed, church is closed, church is canceled, you can't come in. What's... What, what every time the, the enemy wants to try and do something and does something that seems like it's causing a division or, or slowing down the, the, the movement of the kingdom of God, God just pulls a 180 on them and does something completely different. Do you understand that literally for the past four months, there have been thousands, tens of thousands of outdoor gatherings happening there have been people being saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit that would have never in their lives stepped into a church building. Never. You could have invited them until, until the day they were going to die and they would have never walked in. But God chose in this time, in this season, to take the church, if you will, outside of the four walls for a specific purpose and a specific time. And I think that God is predestined this time specifically for America for this to happen. And the enemy said, oh, I got you. I'm going to close every church down. And God said, that's fine. Close them down. We'll just go out and meet our neighbors finally that we haven't talked to in years. And we'll, you know, finally go and have praise and worship on the, on the seaside. And we'll, we'll go stand at the, 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 the mall out in front of the United States, uh, you know, uh, Capitol building. And we'll have all of that happen to proclaim the manifold wisdom of God. God's been purposefully involved in all that is happening here. 
And I hope that you've been seeing that. Just as when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the devil thought he was going to win. But it was the biggest loss that he could have ever, ever received. And so we are participating in that. We have a personal responsibility to benefit the body of Christ. Let me say that again. We have a personal responsibility to benefit the body. That means when the body is hurting, we need to be the one that's building it up and encouraging. Brothers and sisters, right now is not the time to be tearing each other down. Right now is not the time to be worried about how this person talks or that person says this or does that or walks weird, whatever that is. That stuff needs to go out the window. We all have our, we all got our deficiencies. Let's be honest. Every one of us. There's, you know, there are plenty of things. Uh, I probably don't notice about myself, but you guys do. <laughs> or my family does. So, so there's a reality. We all have deficiencies, but that's where the body comes together to encourage one another, to edify one another, to exhort one another. All right, let's get into the armor real quickly. We've got 15 minutes left. We're going to walk through this. This is important. All right, so the armor is those different things on the screen. And we'll, we're going to go through them right now. The belt of truth. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Here's step one. If you want to recognize spiritual warfare, all Christians, all Christians are expected to stand firm. All right? Every one of us in this room are expected to stand firm in the truth. I would, cha- I, I would say this. I don't think all Christians are supposed to go, go pick a fight with the devil. Okay? There, there might be some that are called. All right, there's, in, 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 we see plenty of prophets in the Old Testament that are called by God to go into uh, places that are evil to call down the fire of God. But in the New Testament, we're told to stand our ground. We're told to be on the lookout. We're told to be prepared. And so the belt of truth says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. When there is a truth that you can grab a hold to, that you can understand, that that can represent who Christ is in your life, you can hold on to that. That's why when the devil came to tempt Jesus, what did he do? He went to the truth. All right, he could have let his emotions play on him and say, yeah, I guess you're right. I could be uh, the, the, biggest, uh, the, the biggest guy there is on planet Earth. But he went to the truth. He went to the Word. And so the Word is where we go to find the truth of God. Now, I love preachers. I love, I, I love our pastor. Um, but you, you know what? He's a man. And so the Bible is where our hope is. The Bible is the truth of the Lord. We can, uh, all of us as pastors on staff here, we can rightly divide the word of truth, and you as an individual need to do that as well. But when we're in a, when we're in a struggle looking for truth, don't be turning on the TV. Don't turn on the radio and try and find yourself that, you know, preacher that you like to hear or, you know, I got to hear this song because if I hear this song, oh, my gosh, it'll set everything right. Go to the word of God. Hold on to the word of God. How many of us have, have, have stepped away from that daily reading time with the Lord? How many of us have, have, 
have memorized those scriptures and they're hidden in our hearts, but we haven't done that in a long time. I want to challenge you tonight. Get that, get that Bible back open. Pull out your phone. I don't know. Maybe you got, I use the, I use the app on my phone. You know, so in the morning, I'm having my breakfast, I'm, I'm reading the Word. You're, you're renewing your mind when you read the Word, and, and read it out loud if you can. You know, if, you're, if it's possible, do that. Because hearing yourself say it out loud, that encourages you even more. But that's where the truth is. The truth is in the Word of God. Secondly, we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. We wear His righteousness, not our own. We wear his righteousness, not our own. Romans 4.24 says, That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. Jesus' life on earth is represented in his death, burial, and resurrection, meaning that the perfection of who he was as a man, as a sinless man, is so imperative to understanding our right relationship with God that it's through that righteousness that we stand right before the Lord. We can't do anything. We've learned this from, from you know, kindergarten on up. We can do nothing to put ourselves in right alignment with the Lord except through Jesus. We can't be perfect. You'll never be sinless. It doesn't mean you shouldn't work towards that. We're supposed to move from glory to glory. But, we, but the reality, the hope is, the hope is that we have in, is through Christ. It's not through ourselves. It's not through our own actions. The things that I do on a daily basis to encourage other people are not for me to get my next point with God. When I tell people about Jesus, it's not so that I can get my little check mark off on my box, even though I love check marks and boxes. It's not to do that. Because when I do that, it doesn't put me in, it, it doesn't make God love me more. Does that make sense? God doesn't love me more, or I don't have more righteousness before the Lord because I do a certain thing. It's because of Christ's righteousness that I'm righteous before the Lord. But it is up to me to put that on and to remember that. Oh, if I don't remember that, I can fall into a whole lot of hurt. I can fall, fall into a whole lot of depression. I could fall into a whole lot of God hates me today. I could fall into a whole lot of, well, God just doesn't love me because I said the wrong thing. Or God doesn't want to trust me anymore because I did this or did that. Put on that righteousness. Understand that that's from Christ. Next, our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Philippians 4, 7 and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need peace that keeps our hearts and minds appropriate in times of distraction, in times of turmoil, in times of craziness. So that when somebody says something wrong to us or does something wrong to us or drives down the street and, you know, says or does something we don't go off on them but we have the peace that passes all understanding because we've outfitted ourselves with these amazing shoes that are 
just everywhere I walk, I've got peace. You know, it's interesting. They're the sandals. They're the shoes of peace. And so that means wherever I go, there's peace. You know, I have a, I have a saying in my house, don't get upset with me. I don't know if this is too blue for you, but, you know, when you come into my house, I like you to take your shoes off because, because if you walk in my house with your urine shoes on, you're tracking pee everywhere in my house. Because, so so you got to take your, your urine shoes off. All right, when you get in my house, because everywhere you go, there's, that's what you got on your feet. So instead of, if you will, everywhere you walk, you have the peace of God walking with you. So when you walk into a situation where there's nothing but trouble and anxiety going on, you're walking in with the peace of God because they're on your feet. You didn't take your shoes off at the door, did you? No. You take your sandals off. You're walking in the sandals of peace. So it doesn't matter where you're at, you're bringing peace with you. You're bringing peace to the grocery store. You're bringing peace to the gas station. You're bringing peace to the, the, the situations when, you're, when your brother-in-law or sister-in-law or your mother and father or somebody's sick and ill and in the hospital. You're bringing that peace with you because it's part of you. Now, take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I love this scripture. I love this scripture. And we know that for those who love God, all things, say with me, all things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Oh, Christian. If we could just sit and think on that. If every time there's something wrong that happens to you, if you could just remember that. If every time you think that, that, that God isn't with you, if you could just remember that. If every time you turned on the radio or looked at the TV or got a text message or an update from NBC News or wherever, if you could look at that. If we could just plaster that on our TVs and on our radios or our newspapers if you're still reading them. Because all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And Christian, you are called according to his purpose. Oh, it might seem like a crazy time to live according to his purpose, but this is the time for you. This is when God's called you to participate in what he has. This is the time when God's called you to participate in this spiritual warfare. This is the season that God's called you to, to pick up your shield of faith and to live righteously. And to live appropriately. Take, take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. You know, helmets these days, a lot of people don't even think about helmets because, uh, you know, people that ride motorcycles, they don't like to wear a helmet. My daughter hates wearing a helmet when she rides her bike. I still make her, but she hates it. Oh, my gosh. It's so hard to make her wear a helmet. And I, and I can admit when you put a helmet on, you feel restricted. There's a, there's a restriction that happens when you put a helmet on your head and you got it wrapped around your face. But that restriction is for protection. 
There's a restriction when it comes to, to putting something on, but it's for your, for your protection. Philippians 1.21 says this, To live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. There's a restriction to this life. We don't live forever. The Bible says our life is but a vapor. And it'll go like that. And the older I get, the more I understand that. Time just goes faster, and I don't understand it. You know, when I was in school, I used to say, will this day ever end? Can't wait to get out and work somewhere, do something else. And then, now I'm 40 years old, can I go back to school now, you know? Um, I don't know all about that either, but maybe summertime. Uh, but we need to recognize that to live is for Christ. And, and when we die, that's okay because we're going to be with him. So many of us as Christians live a lifestyle of, uh, uh, in fear of death. And I, and I want to help you understand something right now. There's a reality of us taking on the helmet of salvation because that the, the reality, the hope is, is that we are saved. There's a reason that Paul says put on the helmet of salvation because it reminds you that after all of this, which is but a vapor, there's still eternity to be left with Christ. And so when we put on that restrictive helmet... And we remember that every day we live our lives is for Jesus. It tends to help us to change the way that we act. It tends to help us change what our plans are. Oh, I love planning. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm, a, I'm a planner to the nth degree. I, I, I love planning vacations, and when things go awry, I get upset, and then i got to remember all things work together for the good. <laughs> but... But when we, we, have to, we have to remember that we can have plans, but the Lord is the one that sets them up for us, right? He's the one that directs our path. And so when we put on this helmet of salvation, we're reminded, hey, there's an eternity after this life. And we have a hope to focus on that. And every day I live now is for Jesus. And for everything I do should be for Jesus. That means when I go to work. That means when I wake up. That means when I'm talking to my kids. That means when I'm disciplining my kids. That means when I'm talking to my neighbors. That means when I'm talking to my buddies. That means when I'm talking to my wife. That means how I'm treating those people around me. All of that is for Jesus. Lastly, lastly, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I say this lastly, and this is where Paul puts it, lastly. But as we started off today, we, we talked about having the truth, the belt of truth. And so I, I want to make a case that I think Paul, if you will, encapsulates the armor in the fact of, of the Word of God being the front and the back end of what need, we need to remember when it comes to living a righteous life when it comes to living a life that's prepared for a spiritual battleground or a spiritual warfare. It all starts with the word. It all ends with the word. Because that's the truth we hold on to. 
Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I want to make it, I also want to share this, that I really do believe that when Paul was speaking of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, he was making the statement that it was the word of God that was being spoken to us through his spirit. That it was the word of God being spoken to us through his spirit. So there are times in our Christian walk where we are quickened by the spirit of the Lord to do something or to say something or to, or, or to be in a certain place or to make a certain phone call. And that is the, the sword of the spirit. That is being directed by the spirit of God and understanding the truth of his word. In, in recognition that it says this, it says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So when we're in a difficult or time or we're in a, a place of spiritual warfare, we have the ability to read the word, to hear the word, to feel the word, if you will. That's the spirit within us helping us to feel, to, to emote that word within us. And then to speak it out in truth. Let's end with this. We understand that prayer is important. Some of us start our day in prayer. Some of us are, end our day in prayer. Some of us pray at meals. Some of us pray, you know, at the altar. Some of us pray in our car. Some of us pray with each other here at church. I, I love what the Bible says. <laughs> Obviously, it says praying at all times. So when do we pray? At all times. So what, is, what does that mean for you? It means having this constant conversation with the Lord. Prayer is a conversation. It's a back and forth. It's an all-day thing. It's an everyday thing. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to live a righteous lifestyle, if we're going to be able to stand against the enemy in spiritual warfare, if we're going to be able to work in the heavenlies with Father God, as we've been called to do, we've been called to partner with him in his kingdom, then we have to be praying because that's our lifeline to the Lord. Let me close with this. Many of you may be familiar with uh, the World War II, and in World War II there was a, uh, a group of guys that were stranded. They were out in the middle of nowhere. They, they got separated from their team, and the only there was only five guys there that, that were a, a, a part of this group. And you have to forgive me because I'm not, uh, not too good with military jargon. But in any case, they had gotten separated from their company. And there was five guys out there. And one of the guys was, was the radio guy. So they had the radio guy and they had a bunch of other guys who were not you know, anything specific. They were just guys that were there. And they were fighting off the enemy. And the radio guy was trying to radio in their location. And he had no idea where they were. They, weren't, they, they didn't have a map. They didn't have the, the compass. They didn't have anybody to tell them where they were. 
And the only thing that he could do was to say, there, there's a big tree in front of us. It's kind of a flat land, but there was one tree there. And so he kept radioing, radioing in. There's a big tree. There's a big tree. There's a big tree. And he kept getting responses back that there's a lot of trees. We can't see the big tree. There, there, there's a big tree. Well, that doesn't, you know, it didn't help anybody. So finally, the radio guy, you know, he, they, they kind of had given up, and they were all just sitting there. And the radio guy, you know, is responding to these five guys. They, they don't know where we're at. You know, uh, we keep saying there's a big tree. They keep saying that there's a lot of trees. You know, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And so the five guys are together, and they're thinking, what can we do? And they're, 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 they're coming up with all kinds of crazy ideas of which they have no way to accomplish them. And, and so they said, you know what, let's, let's, just, let's just sit and wait. Let's sit and wait because we're, we're, nobody's attacking us right now. We can just sit and wait for a second. So the story goes that they waited for a couple hours, and as they waited for a couple hours, sunlight started to come up over the horizon. And when sunlight came up over the horizon, there was a recognition of how big this tree really was. And so the radio guy said, you know what, maybe we should call in again. We should call in one more time. And the guy said, well, it can't hurt. So they call in again. Hey, you know, we're, we're, we can see this tree. It's, it's really big. It's really bright. It's right in front of us. You know, this is where we are. And the, the, uh, the other group came, came on the radio, and they said, we think we know where you're at. And, and they said, okay, that's great. We, we'll just stay right here. And they said, no, no, you can't stay where you are because there's an enemy coming after you. And so if you're really by this big tree, there's an enemy coming after you, and you have to leave right now. And so they, the, the radio guy got up, and he said, guys, we've got to go right now. We've got to go right now. And so they all pack up their stuff. They get ready to go, and they're, they're running away from this tree. They don't even know what direction they're heading in. They're just moving in another direction because they knew if they stayed where they were, they, were, they would be defeated. They didn't have enough people to connect back in with. The story goes on to find out that they get reconnected with their company, um, and, and, and they're fine. They're off the battleground. The reality, the, the, the connecting part of the story is, is that although they weren't saved because of that tree, they were saved because there was a recognition that they needed to leave from the place that they were at. And they had orders to move from that location. We sometimes look at our lives and look at the things that are right in front of us and say, this is the only thing that is going to save this situation. And we keep calling on the Lord and calling out and saying, Lord, if you just do this, if you just do that, if you just, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm right here. If, if this can be fixed, if that can be fixed, everything will be fine. And I think Jesus is calling back to us sometimes to say, hey, stop looking at that one tree. Stop looking at that one thing. Because all that I have is being worked out for your good. So as we close up this, this time, in, as we've talked about in spiritual warfare, let's remember the armor of God. Let's remember to stay rooted and grounded in Scripture. Let's remember to pray without ceasing.